everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to start looking into my cult, the one that I grew up in, as well as kind of looking at what's going on within evangelical Christianity and asking some really difficult but important questions. In April of 1993, the federal government ended their siege against the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. And a few months later, my parents joined an evangelical cult. I find that just ironic. And last year, as my husband and I were watching the Netflix special on the Waco thing that happened down there, I was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is literally the same year. Because that summer, we loaded up our van and a family that was friends of ours and their oldest son. So my parents, me, their friends, their oldest son, and I went down to Knoxville, Tennessee, where we gathered with thousands of other people from all across the United States that were also in or joining the Advanced Training Institute by Bill Gothard, who also was the founder and president, we want to call him, the cult leader of the Institute and Basic Life Principles which had seminars called the Advanced Seminar. There was a basic seminar. There's all these other seminars that they gave, that kind of like this fringe beginning of the whirlpool. So you could go to the basic seminar. It was very popular in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s within many evangelicals, many churches, many people who went to the seminar that were never affiliated with anything else with him. But it was a popular thing to do. And that was kind of like the outer edge of the whirlpool. And then the more you got in, the more you got sucked in and the middle of the whirlpool was this advanced training institute, their homeschool program that you had to be basically invited to come into. You had to pay money every year to be a part of it. You had to promise secrecy that you weren't going to pass any of the information on anybody else. And then you were kind of in, you were part of this inner group, this core of people who actually had the true answers and all of that jazz. So we went down to Knoxville, Tennessee. And for many people, this was a yearly pilgrimage that they made. And the closer you got to Tennessee, the more large vans you would see, the more 15-passenger vans with like signage on it. And you kind of look inside and you could tell they were also like you because ATI people dress a very certain way, or at least they did, especially in the early 90s. Look at the Duggars. If you look up the Duggars from 2003, 2004, that's exactly what we looked like. So big collars, big bangs, dresses, jumpers. And so you would get closer and closer to Knoxville and there was more and more of these vans and homeschool families and like signs on their vans and we're all like honking and waving at each other because the faithful were gathering in Knoxville, Tennessee to be taught by our leader, Bill Gothard and whoever else he collected to share with us. There's so many weird things that I could go into. It's funny looking back as a grown up to your 12 year old self, all of the students, students were considered 12 through like unmarried kids. So you could have like a 30-year-old that was a student. So when you were 12, you were officially a student and you could wear the navy and white outfit that everybody had to wear as a student. So navy slacks or skirts and white shirts, preferably with a large collar for the girls to help draw the eye to your countenance, whatever. And as students, we had special student training we went to. We were part of this huge choir that sang to everybody and you would just kind of like see all these kids just walking around. You could tell that they were because they wore their navy and white uniform, basically, identifying them as a student. So I was 12 the first time I went, super excited, super pumped. 
we ran into another family that we knew down there. And so my friend and I just ended up hanging out pretty much all week, walking around. I think she had an older sister that helped kind of guide us and make sure we knew where we were supposed to be and meet up with everybody for lunch and whatnot. And I remember only a few things from that week. I remember singing in the choir that it was pretty impressive. I remember what it felt like to be part of a group. Like once you're also dressed the same, you feel very much like this is my group that I'm a part of. I have this group identity. I remember being told that we needed to do whatever we could as women to have long, gently curling hair. That was specifically from our cult leader, Bill Gothard, in a women's session that we were doing. He said, whatever it, poss- whatever it takes for you guys to have this long, curling hair. My friend was devastated because her hair was short, didn't really grow very well, didn't like to um, curl very well. And so she was just kind of devastated. And I remember him telling us that like having a relationship with boys was basically like evil and shouldn't happen. And so on the way home from Knoxville, Tennessee, I told my friend, who I'd been friends with since I was like five or six, that we couldn't be friends anymore. And it was just awkward and weird and, and yeah. So I was a part of ATI from 1993 until about 2002. That was basically my entire 90s. And so I have no pop culture references. I'm slowly gathering it over the years, but I'm missing my 1990s because we were kind of cloistered away with people who were like-minded We ended up going to a church that was full of people who also followed Bill Gothard and were in ATI. It was just kind of my entire culture was just this little bubble world of people who thought like me, who believed like me. And the actual real world was a scary and dangerous place. I never stepped foot into a public high school or school of any sort until I was 15 and going to driver's training. That was terrifying. And yet at the same time, it was this bizarre world that I lived in personally because my father was a public school teacher. And so I guess you can't say I didn't step a foot in the classroom because I was in his classroom. But he taught at a technical center, drafting and AutoCAD and stuff like that. And so he wasn't really in a real school and I wasn't in there with the kids. But it was this strange bubble world because I had one parent with his foot in the real world as a public school teacher. And I had my mother who was just in, just completely filled with all of these ideas from this homeschooling people and friends of hers that were like-minded with her. And so I had this kind of bizarre 10 years of my life. And as I've tried over the years, unsuccessfully so far, to write a book, I remember talking to some agents earlier on in the process, and they were like really confused by my message. They said, you can't say that you had a bad experience and a good experience at the same time. Like you got to pick one. Which was it? Well, it, it was both because although ATI tended to entice people who had narcissistic personalities or other mental illnesses, so... A lot of parents who got involved with ATI were very much um, in love with the control aspect that they could just control and have authority unquestioned. And so many people who grew up in ATI had very abusive situations that happened to them because of the parents that they had. My parents were not like that. My parents were relatively healthy. They were trying really hard to do the right thing. They were trying to kind of pick and choose which parts of the program they used I did have this weirdly good and bad experience. My parents had no idea that my brother and I were being indoctrinated in youth events at our church. They thought they were carefully choosing what they were teaching us. I don't think they were aware at the time that half of the wisdom booklets that we use every month for our curriculum were either like fabricated or just twisted information. There was just a lot of stuff that they didn't understand and didn't realize. And they'll tell you now that it was a mistake, but they truly were doing their best. Like I feel like they were really trying their best to kind of pick and choose and to give us a good experience. And at the same time, like, how do you, 
how do you make culty uh, Christianity a good experience? So it was this weird, this weird thing where, you know, there was things that were great and there are other things that were really not great. My parents never let me get super involved with Gothard at his training centers. So there were training centers throughout the world that Gothard used to train these students and basically use them for labor. Um, you weren't even paid because you had to pay to be there. So free labor, paid, I don't know what's it called when you have to pay to work for somebody. So there was lots of these training centers. That's where the majority of the abuse happened. Like if you get into some stuff and you look online and really read stories, it was at the training centers. My parents never let me go to those. We never really worshipped Gothard. My parents were always a little skeptical, a little cynical of some of the things that he had to say, a little sketched about, you know, just some of the things that they claimed happened and stuff like that. So we were never like super in. And yet at the same time, I was influenced strongly. And so there was this just weird, is it good? Is it bad? It's both. I definitely identified with people from the 1800s more than I did from the 1990s. So there was this weird, like I lived in the world, but I lived in my own bubble in the world. The real world, like I said, was a scary and dangerous place. I thought that I had this like secret information that could help people if they would just listen to me. We were taught that, especially as students. I felt like I had this special power, that I was a special person, that I, there was just a lot of pride involved, a lot of like false ideas of who I was and what I had to offer people. And so is that good or bad? Well, that part's bad. But there was also safety. I mean, I was sheltered from so much. It was just innocent. All of my childhood friendships and my teenage friendships, it was just a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun, innocent stuff that happened. And so was that good? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just this weird scenario where it's hard to pick and choose and say, was this bad? Was this good? Some people who were in ATI with Bill Gothard had a significantly more terrible experience than I did. Like I said, we were fringe. We were not heavily involved in all of the junk. And yet, thanks to the crazy church that we went to, I was pretty heavily influenced with this whole religious behavior ideas. And with a lot of twisted scripture and with a lot of ideas about God that wasn't They weren't true. They weren't accurate. For years afterwards, I just didn't talk about it. I didn't process it. I didn't deal with it. I kind of just moved on. And if you've listened to my podcast from the beginning and you've known most of the story, but I moved on and I just kind of moved away from all of the craziness that I just tried to learn how to have a normal life. I went to college, ended up marrying a guy who was completely opposite from me. I didn't talk about it. And yet there was a lot to unpack. And that happened about nine, 10 years ago, really when it all kind of came down. But I remember when the Duggars showed up in like 2004, I think is their first TV special that they had. And I was about two years out of everything by this point in time, like just kind of trying to fight my way through how to be a normal person. And then here comes this family that I recognized. Oh, I didn't know them personally, but man, they looked familiar because I had gone to church with people else like this. and. They were trying to parade themselves around as like this great, wonderful family to be exalted and, you know, follow us, follow our example. We're so great. And I was just so angry. Like, I just was so, so upset. I was like, I know the truth. Like, I know what the dynamics of that family really are because I had friends that had this huge family. And I know what it was like for my friends to play second mother, third mother to these multiple children that this woman will not stop having. And I know what it is for them to be just stuck in these behaviors and systems and rules and 
And it was just awful. I, I hated it. I, I knew exactly what was behind all of the Duggars' standards. I knew the fear. I knew the behavior. I knew the the formulas that they thought they were following, try to gain success and blessings. Like I, I got it. I'd been there. I'd lived it. So honestly, none of the stuff that's come out since then has surprised me because things were hidden all the time. Things were hidden. Things were pushed under the rug, dismissed, abuses covered up. Like I was a teenager and I still know that there was stuff that happened. In my church, I remember specifically one family and it was just devastating. It was devastating. And so why are we talking about this right now? Like, why am I bringing this up? Partly because everything's going on with the Duggars right now, with Josh Duggar and his being convicted of the child pornography, people asking questions about that, asking questions about the Duggars in general, asking questions about why Anna's not leaving Josh, like just stuff like that. And so that's kind of why this is coming up. But even more than that, it's because of what's happening in evangelical Christianity. So we see the Mars Hill podcast that just finished, and we see just the devastation that happened there in that church, spiritual abuse. But so much of it was familiar to me. So many of the ideas, the standards, the things that they are pushing, like it was a different crowd that Mark Driscoll was, was pulling to with their indie punk rock kind of stuff versus like conservative homeschools and, and dresses. But the gender roles and the homeschooling and the expectations for behavior, the male leadership, this, all of that was just so familiar. And I'm like, gosh, it's like they had this conference and were like, hey, how else could we twist this message from Bill Gothard and spin it to collect other people? But I know that's not really the case. I know there's something deeper than that. There's something bigger than that. And so I guess I'm here this season to kind of just ask some of these hard questions. Why do people keep using the same ideas to just trap us and hook us in these lies? Why do we keep falling for the same thing over and over again? What is it about evangelical Christianity that keeps getting sucked up in the middle of this mess? I mean, Gothard claimed to be an evangelical, and most of his followers were evangelicals. And yeah, it was a little extreme, super conservative, but they were within the evangelical church. And Mark Driscoll, evangelical. And so at what point in time do we say, hey, what in the world is going on? Like, why? Why are we falling for this? And what is going on with humanity and people that's making us so susceptible? So this season, we're going to be asking a lot of those questions. And I'm going to be sharing more from my background and my past. And we're also going to just be digging into our humanity, our human nature, the part of us that makes us tick, our spirituality. And we're going to be digging a little bit into evangelical Christianity and just looking at some of these hard questions and the deconstruction movement. So I hope you'll stick with me and um, that we'll just be able to just jump into this and ask these questions together. I would love to hear comments, thoughts. Go ahead and email me at christylynnwood at gmail.com. I would love to hear your thoughts, things you'd like me to cover as we dig through this. Guys, my hope and prayer through this entire thing is that we will be able to recognize the lies and the fake gods that we so quickly turn to and ponder again the real God who really and truly exists. As you know from previous episodes, if you've listened before, my goal in deconstruction is not to completely reject everything. It's to dig through all the extra mess that we've added along the way to find the real Jesus, to find the real God and what he actually wants from us. Because despite all the craziness in my life, I have met a very real and living presence that I 
know is true. And I believe in the cores of the faith and the creeds of Christianity that have been passed down for 2,000 years. And so how can we dig through all this extra stuff that we've elevated, that we've twisted, that we've added, and find that very real God who wants a relationship with us? Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.